Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard Hello. and Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael are master debaters. That's right. They're always discussing the Mount Rushmore of any given topic. And this week is no different because this week we're tackling the Mount Rushmore of the Simpsons periphery. Things that uh, exist around, above, next to... Uh, in parallel to, but not in the actual episodes of The Simpsons that are having to do with The Simpsons. Michael, this is your choice. Uh, yeah, The Simpsons have always been kind of one of the like three cornerstones of like nerddom that like made up my childhood. The other two being comic books and Star Wars. It was just those three things, whether I was wearing a Simpsons t-shirt to school or a Star Wars t-shirt to school or a Spider-Man t-shirt to school. I, that was kind of me as a kid, and uh, you, I kind of have like this golden image of maybe like a good decade of the show in my head, but when I was thinking of this, The Simpsons in general, you know, sure, it's fun to talk about the individual characters and maybe best, or Mount Rushmore of like episodes, but I like the world that kind of exists beyond that, and whether it's marketing or movies or food or whatever, The Simpsons kind of has like legs of its own outside of just being a TV show. Yeah. I mean, I we're sitting here and I'm wearing my American Dad t-shirt and uh-huh. some bootleg American Dad stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm head to, head to toe with Cleveland Show stuff myself. Cleveland Show stuff. <laughs> well, you, you can't talk about the Beatles without thinking about Beatlemania and the huge cultural splash that it made and the long-lasting impact that it made. And some of these fall into that. So you t- talked about your personal experience but clearly, the culture, there was a million Michael Winfields walking around who were impacted. Oh, God. By, isn't that horrible? What if there were? Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm sorry, America. <laughs> i got to build a wall, but not between the U.S. and Mexico. Um, so, yeah. So, it was obviously personal to you, but then we all recognized that it was a huge impact on our culture. So, um, let's share that periphery. Michael, you chose it. Richard, you start. All right, so my first one is that time when George H.W. Uh, Bush went all in on The Simpsons. Yeah, that's on my list, too, <laughs> as as The Simpsons as the end of family values. Yeah, pretty much. So um, there were two things that happened. One, uh, Barbara Bush uh, said that The Simpsons was pretty much the dumbest thing she'd, she'd ever seen, which led uh, Simpsons, someone on The Simpsons staff, who knows, writer, mm-hmm. writing, to write her a letter in the you know from... Marge Simpson, giving her a what for and stick and whatnot, which Barbara Bush then apologized for. Then a couple of years later at the Republican National Convention, uh, George H.W. Bush, as part of his speech, said, I think the line was, we need American families to be more like the Waltons and less like the Simpsons. Right. Which pretty much, it was on <laughs> from there. And that administration just had a... Uh, I'd have to think about what exactly was happening in society like in the early 90s. But that's that administration really had a thing for pop culture. They watched a lot of TV there or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Cuz yeah. you had that, you had the Dan Quayle, Murphy Brown kerfuffle. Kerfuffle, that's yeah. a good word for it, yeah. Um and the Simpsons kind of got their revenge when they did an episode where George H.W. Bush moves in 
yeah. next to, <laughs> next next to, to Homer. Homer. Yeah. And he basically becomes the uh, Mr. Wilson yeah. to Bart's Dennis and has this like massive feud with Homer. Mm-hmm. They had, a, yeah, they had like a strange heart on for the Simpsons being like a bad family. It could have been that they went up against like the Cosby show, like directly. And yeah. where, you know, the Cosby show was like this kind of ideal of American values and American mm-hmm. family. LOL. But the Simpsons, <laughs> the irony now, but the Simpsons themselves were like generally pretty good characters. Homer was a, you know, middle America in theory. No, no one knows where Springfield is, but he was, you know, part of the middle class, raised a family of two and a half kids. Uh, Marge was a stay-at-home mom. They went to church every Sunday. Yeah. The biggest issues were like, Bart telling people to eat his shorts. Yeah, his he had definitely an anti-authoritarian bent to him, and whether he you know the worst thing he really did was graffiti and cut the head off a statue. I guess like I examine all the '80s sitcoms that that were popular. They seem to be uh, rife with wise talking, backsassing kids. Why was it an, this animated show was worse? than that. I think I think they saw that because it was animated, they thought that it was aimed towards kids. You can kind of, if oh, yeah. it's if it's like a ten year old boy, you can kind of ignore it as a child and a child actor in its real life. But yeah. I think as a cartoon, you can uh basically say, Oh well this is aimed towards kids. Yeah. So so you know once he It's almost treated <laughs> as educational television. Yes, yeah, so once yeah. he tells them Cowabunga man not Cowabunga. Once he tells them don't oh. have a cow <laughs> and uh, eat my yeah, like yeah. I said, eat my shorts. Then it kind of maybe kid, other kid. I don't know. It's 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 dumb. Mm-hmm. It was it's it was it's a, over. It's you know the nineties were a lot about overreacting to culture. Yeah, whether it was uh, the Simpsons or like Marilyn Manson. Yeah, uh, it's very the nineties were strange. Yeah, it's amazing now thinking how much a show on Fox was targeted as the undoing of family values. Now we think of Fox News as the <laughs> the show, <laughs> the entertainment of Fox News as believing that it's upholding what our American values. It's funny. I find it interesting, like years later, like the National Review in 2000 had this to say about The Simpsons. Uh, it's possibly the most intelligent, funny, and even politically satisfying TV show ever. Uh, the Simpsons celebrates many of the best conservative principles, the primacy of family, skepticism, and political authority. Springfield residents pray and attend church every Sunday. So all this shit just comes full circle, yeah. and anybody can get yeah. on board as long as the ratings are high enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we both chose George W. Bush and or the targeting of uh, family entertainment and Simpsons representing the end of family entertainment. Yeah, basically the death of American culture. Okay. Uh, what's your first one? I guess it'd be your second one, Michael. Uh, mine is the uh, bootleg Simpsons t-shirt. Also on my list. Good, two for two. Yep. Moving along. <laughs> I you, you wanted a quick episode, yeah. <laughs> You're getting it. Uh, whether it's the Gecko Simpsons or Rasta Bart. Or, or Rasta Bart's a good one. Or Bart kicking Saddam Hussein's ass in some variety of another. Uh-huh. Um, Black Bart. Black Bart. Yeah. Uh, a blunt man. Uh-huh. Peeing Bart Simpson, which I think uh, preceded peeing Calvin. Did it really? Yeah. Maybe possibly. just a little bit. Oh. Uh, They're you all know, intertwined. The Simpsons have had uh, such a healthy relationship with... Um, Marcel Duchamp did <laughs> peeing nude descending <laughs> staircase. Ah, I fucked that up so bad. <laughs> oh, shit. He also did This Is Not a Homer. This is not a je ne sais Homer. So why do you like the bootleg Simpsons items? 
Well, I like that they become this kind of uh, template for whatever you want to do with Bart Simpson. He all of a sudden can be like Black Bart, or he can be like the Frosta Bart or the Gecko family Simpsons. Like whatever idea you have, uh, you can, you know, transplant it onto this mischievous. I'm looking at this uh, vulture.com. They have a uh, article, I won't put it on the website, about the 50 best bootleg Bart t shirts. And so many of these are, again, these sort of like ethnic takes on Bart Simpson. Yeah. Where I'm looking at one where he's uh, Bart Sanchez and he's uh, got a knife. An and Irish an Irish interpretation of Bart, obviously. <laughs> it says, I'm a, Mac- I'm a Mexican radical dude. Um, I'm looking at one that says Jerusalem and he's in front of the Wailing Wall and he's riding a camel and he's got like a Jewish hat on. One of those like, I don't know what they're called. You know what I mean? Like those black white brimmed hats that like Orthodox Jews wear. Okay. He's got that on. I don't know why he's riding a camel. I don't think they have camels in Israel, do they? That doesn't seem, sound right. Um, Berto Simpson, Puerto Rican and proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one Irish. Yeah, I mean, just pretty much if a pierogi, Bart Simpson, <laughs> and he's got like, uh, he's, saying, he's saying, so where's the pierogies, dude? <laughs> so you're right. It's just this template for whatever you want. So whatever you think would be something radical. Yeah, to, whether, to, to to have somebody say whether it's you just some, slap it on there, whether it's something you identify with, whether it's your own like uh, you know your own race, or if it's like some like awful stereotype, yeah, mm-hmm. or like a political statement, like you know Bart had these, yeah, the, you know he was out there trying to kick Saddam Hussein's ass. That was what was happening in the mid in the early nineties mm-hmm. was anti Iraqi and anti you know S- yeah. uh, Saddam sentiment that kind yeah. of dominated everything and. Yeah, you don't see many... Kawabunga, Ka- uh, Saddam. Yeah, you don't see very many uh, bootleg Simpsons t-shirts anymore, by the way. Well, it's funny the, that... The, the, you see them, but the quality has gone down. There is... Um, th- uh, did you see the... Have you seen the Portlandia episode with Matt Groening? Uh, no. Uh, where he came on the show and he's suing this guy that created... Uh, like, has a drawing. He's selling t-shirts of this guy, Bart Scampson. Mm-hmm. And he's just Bart, like, you know, ska dancing. Yeah. And then uh, the guy that he was suing, it was in you know some some courtroom. He's like, no, I based this on like my friend Bart Scampson growing up, <laughs> and it revealed, and he and, you know eventually this guy shows up in court, and he's you know he's dressed like this this rude rude boy, yeah. this guy rude boy, and <laughs> has Bart's like spiky hair, and basically throws out like it's it's a great episode. But the other thing is that it's so interesting seeing so many licensed and unlicensed T-shirts for any sort of property that kind of flood the market. Like mm-hmm. you can see like a star Wars t-shirt that they've officially yeah. licensed, but then you can see like these strange interpretations of them, like a Simpsons or a star Wars character as cookie monster yeah. or whatever that there doesn't seem to be any sort of limitation on an artist's, like taking a property and yeah. selling their own version of it. As long as it's not like, an official version. Yeah. And these feel like the precursors to that mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, well it's Bart Simpson, but he's, you know, he's peeing on something yeah. like, yeah, like a Calvin peeing yeah. sticker. It wears it. It doesn't seem like artistic freedom of speech. It's just a nihilistic, uh, uh, in, uh message that's trying to incite <laughs> the, the, an audience. So, well, cool. There, oh, there's a great 30 for 30 podcast uh, about these guys, uh, 
If you listen to Thirty for Thirty audio podcasts, I've heard a couple of them. Yeah, the, the Yankees suck T-shirts. Guys. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> capitalizing on a sentiment that existed in popular culture. <laughs> so they weren't the first person to ever say Yankees suck. A thousand, it had been a way to make friends in Boston by saying Yankees <laughs> right. suck. But they just finally put it on print and um, captured the zeitgeist. Right. Yeah. Hey guys, we're halfway through our Simpsons periphery episode, and I want to come to you with a great idea. Uh, maybe this is more of a Shelbyville idea. No, I think it's a you idea, and that is to go to Audible. That's right. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Do you like interesting stuff about The Simpsons, secrets about The Simpsons, details about The Simpsons? Then you should check out We Put the Spring in Springfield, chronicling the golden era of The Simpsons. That's available on Audible, and it's written by Justin Sedgwick and narrated by Peter Burkrat. With 180,000 other titles, Audible is going to have a lot of books you would be interested in. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook. All right, guys. So uh, I think we are at our halftime. All right. We are at our halftime. And... I want to invite you all to download, uh, listen, rate, and review the past episodes of the Matt Rushmore podcast on iTunes, and you can also do that on Stitcher as well, and probably some other things, I guess. You can go to our website, mountrushmorepodcast.com, and go to our Facebook uh, page and get in the dialogue. Let us know the Simpsons periphery that you enjoy or had. Post a picture of a, yourself in a t-shirt or wearing a uh, Bart Simpson, you're hearing the style of Bart Simpsons or something from the 80s, uh, do whatever you can. And to join the conversation, we'd love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. And we is back. We is back. So I think, Michael, so I think, Richard, you are starting our third round. I am. Um, and my third pick is Simpsons porn. Oh, good Lord. Oh, dear. Yeah. So look in the notes for the show. We'll have a bunch <laughs> we'll of gifts, bunch animated <laughs> gifts posted. <laughs> oh, this is it's awful. awful. It's awful. Um, so there's a thing called Rule 34 on the internet, which is basically if something exists, there's probably a porn version of it. Oh, I've never heard of Rule 34. Yeah, and and I don't know that there's anything that has a broader um level of guys. There's a lot of fucking Simpsons porn out there. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Let it be known that Richard looks. His expression on his face is if you drink drunk Worcestershire sauce <laughs> with mud in it or something. Or it's like if you, th- if you thought you were going to be drinking water and it turns out it's like turpentine. Yeah. yeah. That kind of like shock and revulsion, yeah. revulsion you would get. Your, your, your personal re- repulsion to Simpsons porn is evident on your face. It's, yeah. and, and there's any combination of parents and kids and brothers and sisters and secondary characters just... Going at it, man! Don't, what is, don't what, bring Krusty into this. <laughs> what is why? So I, my, my question, I was Millhouse pulling that hot chick. <laughs> so my question is: I hope that I hope that every porn, every porn video, King and Kodos. The Simpsons has Millhouse being cucked in the corner somewhere. <laughs> just not, just he's ne- he's never getting there. Or that should be uh, his dad, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. even better. <laughs> I, I guarantee it's Kirk Van Houten I over there. <laughs> guarantee you, there's. If I, I guarantee you, I could search right now and find a uh, porn image of Kirk uh, Van Houten in the corner while his wife and somebody are doing it. 
Guarantee um, you. I, I hope you look it up on Jeff's wireless network and then the police show up within the, by gr- the end of this podcast. Well, it's, it's, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, um, okay, so it's sort of been about seven years ago. I got laid off uh, from my job. <laughs> and, sentence didn't end the way I thought it was. And, and um, while I was looking for a job, I wound up uh, applying and getting an interview with AVN, AVN, right. Adult Video News. Well, this has got an upside to this it story. They're, 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 it's coming around. And so my trial... I'm, gl- I'm glad that you tried to get a job with like the classy news portion. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> I'm a newsman. I'm a journalist. They're like the variety for people sticking dicks inside of other people. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Um, and th- so they had me do a trial, like one story. And the story they gave me was about uh, this court case in Australia where they had ruled that um, someone who had Simpsons porn like images on his computer, that was tantamount to being child porn. So they had me do a story about that, which was not nearly as sexy of a story as I thought I was going to be working on. So when do I meet Sika? <laughs> yeah, did not get that. Is Christy Canyon still alive? So did not get that gig, but it was an interesting story. Just apparently in Australia they had passed this law that basically said, depictions of child pornographies are the same as child pornography. So even though it was Simpsons characters and it was oh, obvious that yeah, it wasn't yeah. like actual kids, they were still treating it the same way. Which I don't know how I feel about that because that seems like kind of over overreacting. Um, I think Neil Gaiman said something about the case that's basically like, you have to be able to use reality a little bit and, and common sense. At the same time, I have no problem with... I'm still... Like, yeah. there are certain things that I'm still fine if you just want to throw the book at him for just something yeah. that's just, like, abhorrent. <laughs> that, would that be one of them? I'm I'm fine with that. So I was doing the research on this, what, 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 by the way. Why? My question is why. I hate to be like, what is the cultural significance of... <laughs> like, or artistic merit behind, like, Barton Simpson screwing... <laughs> Why and, so? and and then I think you know what there is none so let's that's I'm okay, and I'm not like a uh, well if you're gonna do that well what what's next no just do that and then be be done and then with there it. you go we're good oh also by the way when I was researching this I did not know this turns out there was actually a Simpsons porn parody oh perfect yeah of course there was yeah again the other thing you know not only is there probably fake porn about it if it's popular enough. Someone will make a real <laughs> porn based yeah. on it. And, oh, are are you wondering if all of the, the porn actors are yellow? Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Oh, they dear. use some sort of, like, filter on them to make them look, like, kind of like that. I don't know. Were there any superheroes that were kind of yellowy? Who am I thinking of? Um, um, oh, uh, uh, Aqu- Aqu- there, was a, there was a Sin City movie. Yeah. Or the where, where yeah. what's his name was dressed up as, yeah, uh, that yellow bastard. Mickey Rourke, mm-hmm. right? No, no, but it was it was another character yeah. that was like that, or like, or they kind of look like a yellow version of like Lou Ferrigno's Hulk. Okay, <laughs> and then where it's like just the bad, like sort of like yeah. on them or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I will leave that to somebody else. If you guys have watched this, yeah, uh, feel free to chime in. Actually, don't chime in on our Facebook uh, or Twitter. Just keep it to your damn self. A favorite, a favorite uh, website, like blog I go to is DangerousMinds.net, and they they have a post where they chronicle the appearance and history of Tijuana Bibles. Mm, illustrated sure. joke books featuring squeaky clean comic strip characters like uh, Mickey Mouse and um, pr- things that predate Mickey Mouse, um, like the Cats and Jammer Kids or whatever, Superman in in very adult, lurid situations. Yeah. Um, um, so it seems like this is this has been going on in for his, history for 100 <laughs> years yeah. plus. Yeah. yeah. Michael, what's your third? 
My third pick is The Simpsons Sing the Blues, the 1990 album that they uh, put out in order to very quickly capitalize on the extreme Simpsons, uh, you know, fandom that had come out after the show had been around for less than a year, uh, maybe 20 episodes. The first, this is like in the middle of the second season when they decided, uh, we need to make sure yeah. <laughs> we have an album out and that everyone needs to, uh, all of the, all of the cast members also need to sing on this, uh, whether they can sing or not. The first single of it was, uh, do the Bartman, which was, uh, them trying to push a new dance craze of Bart. Was it about Steve Bartman? <laughs> it, was not, it, was, it was not about that guy who, um, there would be another eight years before he was, came to prominence, right? Prescient, very prescient. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, they had like a music video for him that would debut right after an episode of The Simpsons. Uh, and Michael Jackson would later do this for like black and white. I remember it was a big deal when it was like the new Michael Jackson video is coming out and it's after The Simpsons. And there's a definite affinity between those two camps. Yeah. Like he sang backing vocals on Do the Bartman oh, wow. for one. And then, uh, you know, later uh, appeared on an yeah. episode, but it wasn't, you know, it was uncredited. Yeah. But it was 100% yeah. as that crazy guy that thought he was Michael Jackson. Uh-huh. But it was actually Michael Jackson. Do you Jackson. think the bridge, I feel like the missing link here is the uh, Tim Burton Batman hmm. and how Bart, do the Bartman, didn't it come from him saying, I'm Bartman and Batman that, was such a huge hit? That, that seems like that would make sense. Bart for a little while too on the show. El Barto? No, no, no. He had a character of Bartman where he'd wear like a purple hood like a like he was a superhero kind of like the same way that like calvin and Hobbes, oh, calvin yeah. would be oh no you're thinking of blunt man as discussed in the uh <laughs> all so over the place. there was a batman yeah. tie-in i think yeah. so yes yeah. yeah yeah that have anything to do you think with uh bat dance yeah i think there was yeah. i think the i hit, think that's what jeff's getting yeah at. yeah I, I also read sam simon or somebody was saying in the recording session for that episode michael jackson brought with him a Michael Jackson sound alike who was Caucasian who looked nothing like Michael Jackson and they both went behind a screen and recorded their audio and he suspects it might not even really be Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson was present. That's great. And wanted to sought them out to record an episode but had this perception that maybe he could hmm. I don't know evade actually recording the actual voice. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the album itself though was this weird collection of you know, Bart doing a couple of hip hop tunes. He had that and he had like a song called Deep Deep Trouble, which mm-hmm. was uh Deep Deep Trouble, which was uh uh produced by DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh wow. And then Lee I think the title of the so- of the album itself, Sing- Simpsons Sing the Blues, came out of like this idea where there's just like, well, Lisa plays yeah. the blues on saxophone. So of course everyone can identify it was so strange. Yeah. Like Julie Kavner, uh, who does Marge Simpson's voice, like she and Homer had a couple of songs and <laughs> duets together. And like, she does not have a good no, singing no, voice. No, no. She barely has a good speaking voice. <laughs> yeah. And it was just this, I a hundred percent had it on cassette tape. Yeah. And I even had like the later CDs. They had like other musical albums that would take bits and pieces from the, sh- the you know, the uh-huh. kind of musical aspects of the show. Mm-hmm. They just, they just eventually decided, Let, let's keep these guys from singing. And yeah. Let's just put <laughs> music just, from the show. Yeah. yeah. But I love that album. And it was like this weird thing. Like, I, 
looking it up, I didn't realize it came out within like a, within basically a year and a half. Was it that soon? Wow. It was December of 1990. I can't show, imagine. And the show came out December of 1989. It's, it's insane how... How much of a like you said earlier? I think in the intro, maybe a mania yeah. it was about the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we're twenty however many years on, so mm-hmm. it's kind of just part of the culture at this point. So we just sort of, I think, take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we, but we, it was just insane how 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 I I you know how how crazy people were. For made the it show. number one on the charts in Ireland, number one on the charts in New Zealand, Norway. Wow. But I Australia. Think you, I think if you put out any album in New Zealand, you're automatically <laughs> in the top 10. They only have like 10 albums at a time. So. The best of Aboriginal rain stick. Though uh, they were appearing as shorts on Tracy Ullman, so it wasn't like they were entirely unfamiliar. That's true. But but to have ramped up so much. I, I There weren't any kids. There weren't any little kids or urban Areas where they were talking about Tracy Ullman show. All the Ullman heads out there. <laughs> yeah, the big right. Ullman heads. Okay, Richard, your fourth is what? All right, so my last one is the Simpsons pinball game. Um, I am a big pin, big pinball guy. Pinball head. Yeah, pinball. That's head. what we call you behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, uh, better than a pinhead. Hey, PBH. Yeah. <laughs> better than a pinhead, I suppose. I spent a lot. Of, I think maybe even mentioned this on the show before. I, I spent a lot of time and a lot of quarters in college at the uh, student union playing pinball. And this was one of the games they had, and uh, there's actually two different Simpsons pinball games. There's the original one that came out in 90, so again, within like a year and a half. And then there's a later one, that's the Simpsons Pinball Party, came out in 2003. Hmm. I'm not as familiar with that one. So I'm talking mainly about the original Simpsons pinball game, and it's, it's just a really fun pinball game. The 90s were really a time that sort of, the, the pinball tie-ins to pop culture were prevalent. Yeah. There were a lot of... Jurassic Park was a big one. Jurassic Park was a good one. I, a I room had a with family. A <laughs> Howard's End. Howard's End, yeah. Oh, the Merchant Ivory. Hoop Dreams. I remember that one. Hoop that Dreams. Big one. Yeah, Roger and Me. <laughs> so I, I actually sat down and I thought about, okay, what would be on Mini Rushmore time, the Rushmore of 90s pop culture-themed uh, pinball games. Sure. So okay. I, got, I got this. Yeah. Um, I've got the Who's Tommy. That was a, a pinball game where it had a feature where if you wanted to, you could, their like blinders would come over the the uh, flippers, so you had to play it like you were blind. Oh, cool! Um, there was the Adams Family, yeah, which is the greatest pinball game ever made, without question. And then I was a little stuck on the fourth one. I seem to remember the T two one that had the gun mm-hmm. that you would shoot for the trigger. Milagro Beanfield War had a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. <it did. laughs> But the Simpsons one, I, I I think what made those ones work versus some of the other crappier ones, like the Milagro Beanfield War. Yeah, Sophie's Choice. Sophie's Choice. <laughs> was just the... <laughs> extra point. You get to keep one of your children. <laughs> extra ball, extra kid. <laughs> extra children. <laughs> it was just how well they integrated the actual, what was happening in the TV show or the movie that they were basing it off of. Like, the quality of that goes a long way to sort of define the quality of the game. Like, on The Simpsons one, they had all the cast members doing voices. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had, like, the the uh, nuclear towers were there as, like, the scoring things you could hit. Sure. And, you know, a lot of the, ex- the the bonus stuff was based on sort of Simpsons game type stuff. Versus, like, a lot of games, I remember before that, before the 90s, there were, like, celebrity or pop culture-based pinball games. But it was really they just 
oh, it's the Elton John vi- uh, pinball game. Yeah, the Kiss and all, video. Yeah, all it was was just whatever the, the artwork was on mm-hmm. it. It had nothing to do with the actual thing. Well, it's interesting that the pinball game was so well done, and so many of their other video games were just this weird kind of haphazard. Oh, yeah. Like well, The first arcade one's great. Well, it's strange. It's it's fun. You know, it's like a four-person beat-em-up sort of in mm-hmm. the vein of like that X-Men game. Yeah. But it's very strange because uh, Marge Simpson is, I, I guess, attacking people with a vacuum cleaner, which, okay, she I guess so. Too. <laughs> which is, uh, you yeah. know, uh, Bart uses his skateboard. That's fine. Homer, uh, I think he just punches people. And then Lisa you know, famous for singing the blues with her saxophone or playing the blues, she uses a jump rope. Huh. And like a bunch of their other games, like Bart versus like the Space Mutants. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird ones. They were just really strange, like applications of like the characters yeah. into like, it was it was almost like they designed the game and then put like the Simpsons in it mm-hmm. versus the pinball, which seems to have been just, you know, from bolts up well well built around whatever yeah. they are the simpsons being animated in korea i think for the last 30 years of its life or it has always been overseas overseas has always been an element of the production has i'm sure hundreds of talented story people who understand the story they understand the characters but if that video game were perhaps created by a production team in another country as some video games are yeah it seems like those people were tone deaf to the motivations of the characters and and the rules of comedy within springfield they're like the same guys who are making the bootleg t-shirts yeah <laughs> sort of yeah and the only the, the only video game i owned on a console was the simpsons road rage okay which like was a basic, generic driving game it was like crazy taxi yeah. except you could drive like homer's car or something else and you would drive around town and you'd see like characters you could interact with but in like 2002 gil, or gil, so oh, like gil was one of the characters i always <laughs> In two, Loved. 2001 or 2002, there was a wealth of like driving games that you could just apply. It, it featured like one for everyone. I there was I had a Smurfs driving game for the PlayStation. There was a Simpsons one. There was obviously a South Park one. And, you know, South Park's thing is always like, oh, the Simpsons have done it first. It's like, well, they probably did too with the driving video game. Oh, sure. I wonder if there's a South Park pinball machine. Oh, yeah, there is. Okay. Yeah. So last thing about it, it's just it's. It's one of my favorite 90s uh, pinball games. I think it's one of the best applications of, you know, pop culture thing translated into Mm -hmm. a pinball world. Yeah. Okay. uh, Don't have a cow, but we're almost done. Michael, what's your fourth? My fourth is when the Simpsons movie came out and a dozen or so 7-Elevens were transformed into quickie marts around the United States. And it was such an amazing and perfect cross promotion for something that you've always you know associated the two whether it was you know uh the salesman you know uh the cultural heritage of the salespeople. <laughs> yeah like yeah. they you know they kind of made all of the guys behind the counter wear apu shirts mm-hmm. yeah and they painted and, and talk at offensive uh <laughs> southeast asian accents um to selling to turning slurpees and squishies yeah. to painting all the uh uh, buildings yellow and decorating them with like faux and Simpsons, they, everything. And I think that's when they first debuted the uh, pink uh, donuts with the sprinkles, which they still have to this day. Which is something I would like to talk about. The pink donut became a symbol of the movie, and it wasn't a major like aspect of the Simpsons. Sure, you know Homer ate donuts, but like the pink donut wasn't like 
if I thought of the Simpsons, 45th on the list would be yeah. him eating a pink donut. Yeah. But ever since then, this thing has been like eponymous with Homer Simpson and the Simpsons. Like they they invented this thing to use as a thing for the movie and then as a tie-in at the Quickie Mart. You can, if you go up to Universal Studios, you can go to the like big the Simpsons donut, world yeah. and get a big pink donut. Yeah. And it's so strange and I don't, like it seems like something that is so far away from the Simpsons for me that feels like such a marketing yeah. thing. Yeah. I don't know. I can't put my hands on it. Like I would think of, I don't know, like Buzz Cola and like Duff Beer or so mm-hmm. much more, you know, within the show and, and like real products. And of course you could get a Duff Beer and a Buzz yeah. Cola. Yeah. I, 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 I think former show guest Paul Lurie was, I think the first person I knew who waited in the line at the one on, there's one in Burbank. I know that. Yeah, I went to that one. You too. went to that one. I went yeah. to that one. I think Paul was the first one who went. I just remember him. Sort of, first off, Paul is the type of person who would wait for two hours <laughs> to go into a, to yeah. anywhere. He'll just wait. He just yeah. loves, he loved the man. See, man loves lines. He sees three people standing standing in line. Just gets behind him. Doesn't know. Why. <laughs> but I just remember vasectomies here. Ah! <laughs> I just remember his enthusiasm for how awesome this thing was. Mm-hmm. And did you? feel it was a bit of a letdown when you went in or were you like wow they, this is amazing I, uh i mean my 10 it's it happened in 2007 so my 10 year old memory of it is mm-hmm. a little blurry a little blurry i think i was probably pretty impressed i think i wish there were things that were less like decals on the wall yeah like uh, it does there need to be a six foot tall comic book guy painted on the wall i'd mm-hmm. rather see like one of like a statue of him, right. which is one of the strangest things. If you're at like the Universal Studios and you see like 3D versions of Simpsons characters standing around, they are monstrous. Yeah, like <laughs> well, you remember that one, the Treehouse of Horror, where he became yeah. like a bad 3D yeah, yeah. sprite uh-huh. thing, monstrous. But like the the you know the trans the you know transformation of some characters from 2D to 3D mm-hmm. kind of works. You know, with like Disney, it Mickey Mouse doesn't feel so crazy to yeah, see yeah but like seeing like a quasi-human three-fingered giant yellow creature mm-hmm. that's you know your size plus 150 pounds yeah. which is round and so strange it's yeah. it's so odd and it's like oh well i wonder if matt Groening sees stuff like this in real life well what this might do is actually bring us full circle from the time in its early existence when the Simpsons was anarchy personified or perceived to be such by the authority. Now they've been with us for nearly 30 years to the point where a, one of the biggest family entertainment establishments is going to embrace it and not double, but triple down on it (laughs) by making a land where you can walk and talk and touch and grab these horribly offensive uh, (laughs) attacks on family values and interact and eat their donuts and do all that stuff. But but I, I know the feeling, and you do as a Star Wars fan, I'm sure, to like see that thing that you've loved be uh, be created in 3D around you and see them get it right and then see the things that they got wrong. Right. And it feels like a uh, your favorite song being played just out of key or somebody messed up the solo. Well, it feels like the last, the last half of the Simpsons episodes where it feels like the first... At some point, you know, after the first 10, 12 years, the show seems to just have changed. Maybe it Mm -hmm. happened after the movie. But all the characters feel like impressions of the characters that I remember rather than them. Like that, it feels like the writers will say that's something that Homer would say versus writing 
something for Homer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it feel and like maybe the impression always feels like it's just changed enough that yeah. it's it's almost like self it, it's self parody. It's eaten yes. itself. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Like a big pink donut. Okay, so uh what a great discussion. And this is the longest running television show in history or US history. Maybe the British have a show called like News Today. Essex Today. Right. Parliament Review. That's been around for 50 years. Up your flagpole. Up your flagpole. Called, hey, what's all this then? <laughs> what's all this then? Um, and as, as a Simpsons fan, I immediately go to Pardon My Jest, <laughs> their <laughs> improv show. So, uh, so it was fun to discuss. Um, the, the scoring shall go thusly. Uh, again, your guy, you guys have a lot of arguments, but you have a lot of agreement in the observation and of the era in which um, George W. or No, I'm sorry. George M. Ah. George the, H. The George H. Bush. Uh, H is for hate in the H. Simpsons. <laughs> proclaimed uh, the Simpsons to the end of uh, family entertainment. And um, so Michael and you both agreed on that. And Michael, you both agreed on bootleg stuff and how fun that was and how much that extended the experience of the show. And uh, But I'm going to pick... So each get one for that. Um, but I would like to pick a... Oh, so now I have to pick one. No, I get to assign two more. And the two more that I'm going to give, we're gonna is gonna keep us in equal footing. Okay, and I'd like to award Michael a point for the 7-Eleven Apu Quickie Mart Simpsons makeover. I think that was really a, a neat pull because I mean, we can talk about souvenirs or other Simpsons periphery, but an actual place and making of our place is really cool. And pinball, I really love you. Uh, making a parallel between this show that people love and the nuance and character of it and a game that has seen a lot of competition from video games and things like that but was able to get the idea of the Simpsons right in your pinball story. So so thank you, gentlemen. Uh, thank you. This has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I am always in Jeff. I'm Richard. Don't have a cow, men and women. Ba, 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 Suing ba, ba, our ba, ass. <laughs> <laughs>